welcome to Entrepreneur Mindset Reset, the podcast for entrepreneurs who want to learn from fellow business owners how to decrease the chaos and increase their sense of fulfillment while becoming more profitable. I'm your host, Tracy Trapeski. I'm an executive coach and consultant and mindset mastery expert. I'm also mom to two amazing teenagers and a menagerie of adopted furry family members. In each episode, we explore challenges, opportunities, and actionable tips to help you move your business forward while staying true to your vision. You'll hear from me and my guests how we've tackled some of the pitfalls and unexpected surprises that entrepreneurship delivers. We're the real deal, and we're here to inspire and encourage you. Let's dive in. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in today for a new episode of Entrepreneur Mindset Reset. In today's episode, I am speaking with the warm and brilliant Michelle London Bell, founder of Urban Media Group of Texas, a boutique creative marketing and communications company serving clients in Texas and beyond. I think you'll learn a lot from our conversation, uh, especially if you're feeling a little overwhelmed or uncertain about what to do with respect to your marketing. Michelle shares some great tips about how to focus your marketing and the importance of writing persuasive, polished copy. You will not want to miss when she shares her tips and nitty-gritty marketing information and how she stresses the value of investing in your branding, including your presence on social media platforms. However, in Michelle's opinion, if you're a new business owner, your best bet is to invest in your website to create your presence and share the story behind your brand. She reminds us that as business owners, we answer to multiple stakeholders. So if you have the idea that you'd like to start a business because you don't want to have a boss, you may be barking up the wrong tree. Your purpose needs to be greater than being without a boss and making money. So she reminds us to keep our focus on the following, our impact, our purpose, and fulfilling client needs. Michelle is warm, full of wisdom, and knows what's what. So grab a beverage or a snack and settle in to listen to Michelle and her amazing journey. Michelle, I'm so happy to have you here today. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me, Tracy. I'm so excited about this talk today. Yes. I I love that we reconnected. So we met what, like six years or so ago, six, seven years ago, I think. Has it been that long? 2015. Okay. So it was at the first conference. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, We met at the first conference. Yeah. Time does fly. I can't believe it's been that long already, but I'm, I'm so glad that we've reconnected and that we've been able to, to chat a little bit. And I'm excited to have you on the show and share your journey and see what you're up to these days. And so before we dive in, I always love to ask our guests where you are currently. And if you're not uh, in your regular space, where that regular space also is. Okay. So we're based in Houston, Texas, but for my business, I serve Texas and beyond. That's kind of like my slogan because the name of my business is Urban Media Group of Texas. But we've had clients, you know, that as we have both known, Bernadette, that she came from Dallas and of course relocated to the DMV. So we've had clients in Virginia and Atlanta. And so we're definitely growing. But yeah, Houston is where I'm currently based. I love it. And you're in your home office today, but you usually have an office outside of home that you work from? Yes, and I definitely bounce around. Yeah. <laughs> I go from I go to different co-working stations and it's just kind of all over the place. But yeah, 
different locations. So <laughs> I love that. Well, I think the, the nature of most businesses now makes it kind of nice to be able to do that. So if you need a change of scenery, you just grab what you need, what device wise and your chargers and off you go. At least yes. I feel that way. I often leave home so I can work from home. <laughs> so like, I get a lot done in coffee shops because I'm not going to I'm not going to waste time on Instagram going down rabbit holes when I'm sitting in a coffee shop working. I actually get work done. Not that I don't get work done at home, but if I find that I'm getting distracted, I'm like, all right, it's time for me to go somewhere else. This is not working. Laundry. Right. (laughs) Yes. And actually the co-working space that I work out of, they have offices. And so I'm actually thinking of making that my permanent space in 2022. Nice. So you'll have an actual dedicated space and and if you need to meet with clients, you can do that there. And that's nice. Those are really, yes. I, I like those spaces. And I think it's a great option for a small business owner or for, for a business owner for whom having a physical space isn't totally necessary, but nice to have. I think that's a way to do it. Absolutely. And one of our um, sponsors, I'm actually, one of my colleagues and I, we have a podcast as well, and it's called Creators Take. And we record one of our sponsors is a co-working space that is woman-owned. It's called Sesh Co-working. And so that's what I kind of mean by bouncing around because, <laughs> you know, I'm usually generally based um, at a place called The Annex and they have offices. But then, of course, when we're recording our podcast, we go to Sesh Co-working space and they always welcome us with open arms to record our podcast. And they're always so much fun. I love that. I love that. So. I'm wondering what makes sense. So do you want to tell us what you do and then share your journey to how you've become an entrepreneur, a mompreneur? (laughs) We were just, as we were in the green room, we were talking about how busy we get. And I made a reference to a laundry basket that's not too far, but tucked away from sight here. (laughs) So tell us about your business and what kind of what brought you here to this point. Okay, great. So my business is a creative, a boutique creative agency. And basically, um, we provide marketing and communication services to small businesses and freelancers, nonprofits. Basically, it's a way of telling a brand story visually. So we do visual storytelling using marketing. It could be media, multimedia. So any platform that you choose to tell your story. It could be social media. It could be a website. It could be a book. I've actually um, worked with a client who was writing a memoir a couple of years ago. He is a son of a former Dallas cowboy. And so just any platform that you would choose as a client to tell your story mm-hmm. and amplify and grow visibility for a client. Do your clients come to you saying, okay, I want to be on, you know, Facebook, Instagram, blah, 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 and like list everything, or do they tend to want to bring in a, a more primary focus? I think most clients know what they, they have an idea of what they want. So let's go back to Bernadette, for instance. Bernadette, I guess we haven't really kind of introduced um, how we have connected initially, but um, she had a women's conference and I don't know if it's actually still running or not, but that's how we met because you were a panelist on the conference, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. And so um, she brought me on board. Um, so she was one of my clients so that we could amplify or grow visibility to her conference specifically on Facebook because most of the demographic that she was trying to reach 
was on Facebook and also Twitter. And I think at the time, Instagram was burgeoning. Mm-hmm. So eventually <laughs> she transitioned that to Instagram. And we know that, you know, later on, as things evolve and change in technology, face, Facebook actually purchased Instagram. So, you know, it's just it, depending on um, the, the client, they have an idea of what they want. Most people want to start off on social media. However, we know that websites basically are the entryway to your business. So when I do my consulting with clients, I often begin with that approach by explaining that, you know, that has to be the foundation before you amplify your brand. You have to make sure that the presence digitally has been set up with a foundation. I think that's a really good tip for our listeners to hear, right? And you don't necessarily have to have a fancy or fully, you know, whatever store and downloads and all that, but you definitely need to have a presence. And so even if you just have a one page website, I think that's a really great starting point. So some of our listeners are, you know, brand new entrepreneurs or considering, or maybe have a bit of a side hustle and trying to figure out maybe where to allocate their resources, whether it be time and energy or financial resources. So I think, you know, the importance of understanding that a website is a really good starting place. Yes. I think just want to emphasize that. Yes. So digital marketing, I mean, I think I've gotten a lot of inquiries lately about how my business has been faring during the pandemic. And believe it or not, my business has actually soared because mm-hmm. of the, the need to have businesses transition their presence to online. And that digital presence is so pivotal to your success. I mean, what's the first thing that we do when we meet someone? We Google them or we actually look up their business online. So if you don't have that digital presence set up, and again, you know, you mentioned social media. Social media is very important and it can be a piece to the puzzle. But in terms of setting up your brand presence, people are starting to come around to the fact that, yes, you can have a storefront, but if something happens like a pandemic or something that could suddenly impact your business that was unforeseeable, that your digital footprint is just imperative. Does that scare some of your clients <laughs> or do they come to you and go, here, here, take it, fix it, <laughs> make it pretty. <laughs> I didn't mean to make it sound so great, but. Oh, um... no, no, not at all. But I, I no, you definitely didn't. I'm just thinking about, you know, this is, there are very few businesses that cannot be without brick and mortar, right? Right. So. I probably could have said that in a different, more direct way, but you know, most businesses can operate without having a physical building unless, you know, unless they're doing something that requires actual space. So it makes a lot of sense. I just wonder, you know, I think the clients that I work with are busy, super, super busy and very, very accomplished. And so they often come to me feeling, you know, quite a bit of overwhelm. So I would imagine at some point people come to you and they're like, man, I tried, I went in and I got a Squarespace page and here, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I tried (laughs) the templates are beautiful and all of that, but I I don't know what they're asking me to do. You know, I think a lot of people try to do things on their own. Yeah. Yes. I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. I absolutely like concur with you. I mean, I have a lot of clients that come to me and say, you know what, this is not my forte. We know that you are, an, you are an expert in this space. So let me hand this over to you. Please fix it. Please make it pretty, as you said. 
and, you know, deal with all that technical stuff because, you know, I, I hate to get on the soapbox, but me, myself and my colleague who we do our Creators Take podcast, we often talk about how everyone thinks that they can do marketing because of the growth of social media. Everyone thinks that they can do events. She's an event planner. And, you know, sometimes you get into the nuts and bolts of these things and you realize, wow, I need to call in someone that is that has expertise on, you know, background platforms with WordPress or Wix or, you know, widgets, plugins, CMYK colors. I mean, just <laughs> things you don't think about because yeah, there's I so don't many really know what any of that means. <laughs> yes. CMAC colors. And there's so many tools and apps now that that give people the impression that everything is do-it-yourself. And honestly, when you hit a wall or you get to a point beyond the scope of what you can do, that's when you would need to call someone. It doesn't have to be me, but whoever that you know that is very well-versed in all of this stuff, I mean, there there is a lot of knowledge and skill set that goes on into building websites and, you know, graphic design and copywriting to where it's persuasive and polished and basically conveying your brand and your image of your brand in the way that you want it to to look in the marketplace. Persuasive and polished. That really jumped out (laughs) at me, right? I mean, I I once heard that somebody say, don't fall in love with your own copy. (laughs) Right. And that really struck me. Like, I think it's great to do, take a first stab at it. You know, it's extremely expensive to hire amazing copywriters, right? It just can get very expensive or can be untenable for some people. So you can maybe take a first swipe, but at the very least have another set of eyes, look at it and not like your mom or unless your mom is a copywriter, you know, (laughs) like someone who loves you enough to be brutally honest with you, right? So I think this is where, if, you, if you're not yet at that stage where you can afford to pay somebody, find a way to barter or scrape that money out of your couch cushions or something and go pay for somebody to take a look at it, right? To do that part. I think that's that can be a real challenge for entrepreneurs. And I think a lot, a lot of entrepreneurs have this like doing a lot of things and also have a little bit of that uh, lack mentality where they get a little afraid to spend the money and to invest in something. But if you were to jumping ahead to advice, but it just popped into my head. If you were to advise someone who maybe has a shoestring budget, you know, but they definitely understand that they need to have somebody help them look persuasive and polish, what would you suggest that where they spend that money? Well, before you ask that question, I do want to go back to what you said that I do think it's important to know that it's worth the investment. So all the major brands make the investment. They hire the manpower they need. They subcontract They or sublet some of the work just to get it done. Because if you're going to compare your brand to theirs side by side, you want to be able to stand up to the competition and you want it to meet a certain standard. Mm-hmm. But to answer your question, That would be the number one thing that I, as I said before, would advise is to invest in a website, first and foremost, because it is the entry to the world. That is your global introduction of your brand and what you represent and what you do. Beyond the website, 
maybe invest in having a good photographer on speed dial. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Because as an entrepreneur, you, I mean, sometimes and many times you are the face of your brand. So your image is important as well. Not just the logo or the icon or the symbol that represents your brand name, but also how you present yourself as representing that brand. Because today, so many people want to know the story behind the brand, which is a big piece of what I do, right? Mm. So it's not just, okay, well, I'm going to have a video shoot so that I can do a use stock images and have this sterile you know, boxed in Mm, perception mm. of a brand and an introduction to the world. People want to see the behind the scenes. They want to see the story behind the brand. So oftentimes when I'm working with a client on a video type of project, then some of that video footage will be B-roll or it Mm -hmm. will be, I guess for people that are not familiar with that term, it'll be extra footage that you don't anticipate using, but that actually humanizes your brand. And it gives Mm -hmm. that story that people want to see. And that's why, you know, honestly, Instagram and of course, Facebook caught up later, but that's why Instagram stories became so popular because initially they were devised to show behind the scenes of what's going on before you create that perfect shot to post on your feed. So people Mm want to see that. Yeah, I th- I love that too because I think one of the one of the very negative pieces and sort of aspects of social media is that we're so often shown people's highlight reels. We're not seeing like the real thing. And I love it when you know people take a little short story video while they're going for a walk, you know, out in nature and their hair is messy. <laughs> wind's blowing it across their face and, you know, they're not full makeup and lashes and lips and the whole nine. They're just being themselves and sharing a thought, which I think is really, like you said, humanizing, right? I think, I think we're, we have a real craving right now for authenticity, but that word has been overused so much and all the filters that we think are natural face or <laughs> adding <laughs> contour and all that, you know? So I, you know, I, I love to hear that, that it sounds like that's a real focus for you is really telling the story behind the brand and sh- sharing what makes a business more yes. than just a business, right? The people or the person. Yes. And I often post that as a quote. I, I mean, it's ironic that you brought that up. Authenticity is the key to telling your story every time. Mm-hmm. So people want to see the real behind, but in a way that is still polished and persuasive. <laughs> right. Yeah. Don't come on complaining about everything. <laughs> I see some video clips of people that, you know, of course you have live streams, but you also have people recording videos and posting them you know, sitting in their car. And it, I, I do think that there is a, there's a finesse that needs to be applied. And there's a way that you actually can pull it off so that it doesn't tarnish your brand or it does not offend or what's the word? Tur- I don't want, what's the professional word for turn people off? Turn people off. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. For that. That's okay. We'll stick with that because it says it says what you mean for it to say, right? I do you know, I think it can be a real deterrent, if that's if we want to use one word, but 
Right. And I think that's interesting what you said, the finesse and not, and I think it's one challenge and this is probably for all people, but especially entrepreneurs who are really distracted sometimes or prone to shiny objects and squirrels being a great distraction is staying on brand. Yes. Yeah. I think it's a fine line. I definitely know you know this better than I do, but I think about that, like with my, with the podcast, Instagram, I see that we get a lot more interaction when I'll post something personal. People appreciate, you know, if we post something inspirational and of course, when we're sharing that there's a new episode, but I posted anniversary photos with my husband and I, and that was like one of the most well-received posts. And I thought, okay, people want to know a little bit more about what's going on behind the scenes. So I paid attention to that. And now I share, you know, some humor and some little things and like little tiny little pieces of family life. Nothing that I wouldn't want everybody under the sun to know. Right. But it's, I sometimes question, like, am I taking away from this? Am I distracting from the brand of this? And, um, I I try to follow my intuition with that. Like pay attention. If there, if I post something that doesn't get any traction, I might test it something similar again and see what happens. And it may be timing or it may be the actual post itself. Right. So it's kind of, it's kind of an interesting thing, but to stay on brand, I think is really challenging. Like when you, when your clients come to you, you will build them a website and you will do creative for them, but do you also do strategy with them? Oh, absolutely. And and I think that that's something too, you touched on something very important. Consistency is key for entrepreneurs. I, I, I often quote that as well on Instagram and being on brand. And I think a lot of people, I mean, of course you have Instagram experts who have made, I don't want to profess how much they've made, but tons of money mm-hmm. coaching people on what is considered being on brand, having a, a cohesive color scheme when it comes to your posts, having an uncluttered page, from everything from, like I said, the color palette to the mix of the type of posts that you post. And I don't mean to put a lot of emphasis on Instagram because that's just something that I love. And I think it's a great platform for entrepreneurs and business owners, Mm -hmm. but I use it as an example, but you know, like you said, just being staying on brand and, and not veering off what your audience expects from you. And also you bring up another, while you were talking, I was thinking about LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) let's dive into that a little bit. So it's an interesting point that actually can be applied to LinkedIn about staying on brand or what's considered on brand or even what's considered professional. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. me and my husband have... (laughs) have talked about this amongst ourselves because he's not an entrepreneur, but he is a professional and he only uses LinkedIn. He's not on Facebook. He's not on Instagram, Twitter, anything, but LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. And they've actually had to come out with community standards because I think that there has been a little bit of misuse or misdirection with that platform. And so you bring up an interesting point about what is considered on brand, what is considered professional and polished in 2021, because I think that that's changing for some people. And we have to, I guess, kind of analyze that and figure out what's appropriate. 
<laughs> I think that's really challenging too. I will see sometimes a post that to me doesn't necessarily seem like it belongs on LinkedIn. And you can make a lot of arguments for like why a political post may be appropriate in a professional setting and why it may not be, right? A discussion or whatever. I mean, everything's political, so we could say, yeah, okay. But it's interesting when it starts becoming like personal when people start attacking and doing like, okay, folks, this isn't Facebook. If you want to go be a keyboard warrior, go over there. And so I've started to be really careful about curating my feed there because, you know, it is a professional platform. I have the expectation that it's treated like a professional platform. And so one of the things that, you know, we can do is to curate who we hang out with and just, you don't even have to let them see you. You can just un- uh, follow or whatever, disconnect from people very quietly. I did a, I did a LinkedIn cleanup about a year ago and just, you know, my parameters were, have I ever spoken with this person? Do I want to ever speak with this person? Or do we have any kind of mutual interest that would be a good reason to stay connected? And if I couldn't answer yes to actually all three of those questions, I, I ruthlessly cleaned up. And it changed my feed and it changed the kind of interaction that I have with people. And I feel like it created space for, you know, not better people necessarily. I'm not talking about quality of people, but the quality of the type of connection. Um, So I think that's an interesting distinction. I think a lot of beautiful connections can be made on Facebook and, and Instagram. However, I have the expectation, I think a lot of people have the expectation that LinkedIn is a very different animal. And I, I would love to hear your opinion on this, but I also think that that means we need to post differently on LinkedIn than we would on Instagram, even if it's for the same thing, right? Well, that is a very complex question. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> In terms of businesses, or if you're posting for One thing I love about uh, LinkedIn for business, and it's interesting because for my business, I also have a blog. So Urban Media Group of Texas has a blog, and this was one of our initial posts, and we launched it this year. This This was one of our initial posts of why your business needs to be on LinkedIn. So if you are actually creating a business page for your presence for your business, of course, the content can be there can be continuity between your content from Facebook, your business profile page, LinkedIn, and Instagram. In terms of your professional, personal profile, I think that that is where, I guess your question was like, what is considered like appropriate? I think that that is where LinkedIn is starting to run into a problem. Because Mm -hmm. you're starting to see a lot of the posts and content, even if people are posting personal stuff that is just a behind the scenes reference to their business persona Mm -hmm. could be, you know, oh, I just had a baby. I just beat cancer. So it becomes really complicated. And I think Mm -hmm. LinkedIn is really struggling with that right now or trying to delineate, you know, how much how many parameters should they put in place before it becomes similar to that other prof, you know, the other platform yeah. over there. 
And I think that's a bit of, that's an interesting conundrum because it speaks to a larger, more global issue, right? Which is the world is changing. Business is changing. People, I think, especially since the pandemic, like we're connecting digitally. I've always been online. Like my business has always been from home and I've had clients all over the world, but not everybody has had, has started their business or run their business that way. And we're seeing a huge shift. And I think that, you know, this, the conundrum that LinkedIn is having is how much personal is considered appropriate and how much, you know, and I'm not sure what the answer is. My rule of thumb is if I wouldn't talk about it while I'm teaching a workshop, I'm not going to post it on LinkedIn. (laughs) So I might share something about one of my kids or whatever. I never post anything about my children on LinkedIn, but if I had a baby or something, I might share that in a workshop and I might share that as a celebration and just spread a little bit of joy or something. And I do appreciate some of those posts on LinkedIn. I, I, it's, I think it's tough and there's a lot of sort of the tendencies of Facebook starting to come through. And I am picking on Facebook because I think that they've done a lot of harm in the last five years, six years, and should have had better control and a stronger grasp on their community guidelines. (laughs) And LinkedIn is running into some issues with that, with some sort of old boy network behavior right? Or old boys club or whatever they call it, that there's quite a bit of, um, I have received a handful of, you know, private messages with extremely inappropriate suggestions or requests. Really? (laughs) I've made very quickly blocked and reported. And I, and I think that shut that down really quickly. And I haven't had that, but I've heard other women say how, you know, it's like going back to the eighties in the break room. (laughs) For anybody who really young enough to know what was going on in the eighties break rooms with predatory male behavior. So I think it's, there's a lot of, because the community standards had not really been in place, there was a lot going on that I think there was a way to report, but it wasn't as straightforward as it is now. And they're not as, they're becoming quicker to jump on and, and, um, you know, ban somebody or remove content when it's inappropriate and things like that. But yeah, I think. We didn't even maybe four or five years ago. I don't remember seeing that. I never experienced that on LinkedIn. It was maybe in the last three, four years that I've seen and heard these stories. Um, So I don't know. I think, you know, we digress a little bit, but I think it's, it's an interesting thing because it's this entity that has a lot of, I think a lot of potential for good, right? When we think about, it's still considered a professional platform. And so a lot of great connections can be made and we can build a brand and, you know, create brand awareness through using this platform. And I think that that's where it's really at and and also can be challenging because it's so different. Most of us are used to the other kinds of social media and we don't really know what to do there. Yes. And you said a lot there. And I think another huge issue is that the, the definition of unprofessional or what's considered <laughs> professional is different from one person to another. Yes. And depending on what is your business. So you, you know, you do life coaching. Is that correct? Uh, business coaching. Yes. Business coaching. coaching okay. Role. So mm-hmm. let's use a life coach or let's use a therapist. So it would be totally appropriate for a therapist or a life coach to post something that said, Hey, I just beat cancer because mm-hmm. that would be inspirational to their, the audience that they serve. 
and their client base. However, if you are a print shop owner or you own a coffee shop and you post something about your family being on the beach or, you know, like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of some of the the, the posts that me and my husband kind of balked at when we saw on LinkedIn. Like, <laughs> no, this is LinkedIn. I thought this was something else. We had yeah. to check to see what platform we yeah, were right. on. Did we what? tap the wrong <laughs> the wrong app? <laughs> yes. So funny. So, um, it, I mean, it's just, it's a great conversation. I think, as you said, the world continues to evolve, things are changing, and it will be an ongoing conversation because I do think, to your point, I think that Facebook, I'm not trying to defend them. I don't think that they realized everything that was going on when it was going on based on the intention of the platform from the beginning. Right. And LinkedIn is kind of walking into that same space over time because, you know, people are always going to gravitate to wherever they have a lot of latitude and freedom to your point. Mm -hmm. Right. Interesting. I hadn't thought of it that way. When you advise clients on what might be the best platform to start with, we were t- I think it was while we were still in the green room, we were talking about like, try to have one focus at a time, build on that, and then add the next one. Do you, are there circumstances in which you would say once their website is good to go, what might be like, for example, which of your clients or type of clients would you say, you know what? I think LinkedIn is the place where you should spend the most of your time building platform first or Instagram or Facebook or whatever it might be. Do you have, I don't even mention Twitter. <laughs> Do people get business through Twitter anymore? I'm not even sure, oh, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. That's so funny. But yeah, do you, are there types of businesses where you might direct people to start on one platform over another? Honestly, and I know you're not going to like this answer, Tracy, <laughs> or I should say our listeners are not going to like this answer, but honestly, <laughs> I think that it's imperative to have a presence on all of them, mm-hmm. even YouTube, because of SEO. And because, and we talked about Facebook acquiring Instagram. So in a way, with them being so connected, it makes it easier. So I often advise, you know, when you're creating content as a client, you know, create something that is adaptable to mm-hmm. both Facebook and Instagram, and then tweak it for Twitter. Mm-hmm. And then because Google owns YouTube, you know, search engine optimization, you want to have a presence there so that people can find you on YouTube as well. So I would say Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, LinkedIn, LinkedIn more so because there are a lot of people that are of a certain demographic that are not on Facebook and Instagram. And so you want to have a presence there to reach them as well. So I know you guys hate me for what I just said, but it's the truth. (laughs) Well, if, you know, I don't think we, we hate that. I think, you know, the, the tendency toward overwhelm is real. So, you know, if I were advising a client, I'm not a marketing person, but if I were advising a client, I would say, go ahead and set up whatever you need to set up, have a great profile where do you get the most traction now if you already if you're already established focus on that and then start to drip in your other in your others so, i mean when when push comes to shove and my clients really need marketing advice i send them to my marketing partner who we 
refer clients back and forth all the time because I'll say, you know, I know why you need it, but I wouldn't be able to tell you how to use it. So here now, now you need to go talk to her. But I think that, (laughs) you know, if that feels overwhelming, choose one to focus on, complete it, and then go to the next one and complete your profile there and go, you know, on and on and on. But what you said about SEO and having the ability to have a good, strong reach, I think is really important. And it brought up a question for me that I heard someone else say on each platform, is it, how important is it to like kind of secure your name? So if you, if it's your company name, you go in and you establish as a company name on each platform, or if it's your personal name to be able to use your personal name on each platform, do you think that's super important or can you just have clickable links on your website and call it a day? Okay. So I'm not quite sure. So are you speaking in reference to copyright and trademarking your name? No, just how you call yourself, like the handle. So for example, my YouTube is my name. It's not super established. It's just there, right? I just kind of hold it there to be able to have access. I have a personal Instagram in my name, but actually my business Instagram is the podcast and connects to the Facebook page. And there are different names, right? So the podcast is Entrepreneur Mindset podcast or something like that, whatever I could get on there. And then the Facebook that it's connected to the Facebook business page is my name. I don't use Facebook really. So it doesn't matter to me, but for somebody who wants to be able to use multiple platforms and really broadcast through multiple platforms, do you think it's important for them to use their own name or the name of their business consistently across each platform? You know, um, and now we're getting into nitty gritty. Uh, yeah, charge you <laughs> that's unlike me too. <laughs> You're gonna you send me an invoice, okay? Yeah. Broad strokes. <laughs> um, you know, it depends. Instagram has changed a lot. So when I first started my presence on Instagram, it was a personal page, and then mm-hmm. I transitioned it to a business page. With many business owners, they they tend to get a lot of traction on both, but mm-hmm. based on the algorithms it can be more beneficial to have a personal page in terms of the the amount of posts that people can actually see. Hmm. So I've seen clients that have more followers if they are using their personal handle and then they create a personal page and then they have the label or the title entrepreneur. And then they also have their business page underneath that, that can be linked to it. Interesting. Um, In terms of securing your handle, I think it's very wise to make sure that it that you reserve whether you're going to use it or not right now immediately a handle that you would use for your business for that particular brand name. Because I've had colleagues that have come to me and said, "Oh my gosh, this this twerp has you know the handle that they want because they're (laughs) launching something." <laughs> I know you haven't heard that uh, term in a long time. I haven't heard that term since like the late 80s, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> no, but it's it's true. My yeah. mentor, when it when he wanted to bring his brand back, of course, his brand was created, oh gosh, early 2000s. Mm-hmm. And once Instagram took off, you know, some young person took that handle and he couldn't use it. So he had to be kind of creative. Yeah. To establish that brand on Instagram. And it was really mm-hmm. irritating for him. Yeah, I bet. I bet. So word to the wise, even if you're not ready to develop it, grab the handle. That yes. seems like a good life metaphor too. 
<laughs> grab the handle, even if you're not ready, brace yourself. Very cool. So what, where did I switch gears just a little bit? Cause I would love to hear a little bit about your story. When did you start your business and what made you decide to go out on your own and to be an entrepreneur? glad you switched gears because we could talk about social media all day. <laughs> we could. And that's not the only part of marketing, right? I think that's, I mean, we could talk for hours and hours and hours about building a brand, but I love that we talked about that too, before we went down the rabbit hole about social media. But I think, yes. you know, for our listeners, it's always a nice connection to hear people's stories. And one of the things I find with listeners and my clients that we all have in common is usually there's like a burning desire or some kind of a gap and hearing people's stories, I think is really supportive of not feeling so alone on this lovely, beautiful, crazy, seemingly deserted Island that is entrepreneurship. So if we can connect that way, I always think it's really extra special. Yes, no, I agree. So I started my business in 2006 in Dallas after I secured my first um, contract which was with a design and construction firm to do proposals and marketing. And we mentioned my mentor before. Um, Previously, the industry I was in right directly before that was in pharmaceutical sales. And so I always had this foundation in marketing and communications. And my mentor was like, you know, you just need to start your own business because he's always been an entrepreneur Mm. and he's not around anymore. Rest in peace. But um, he just really pushed me out there and said that you really have these talents and gifts that you can give. And actually, I learned so much when I was working with design and construction firms that I could, you know, put as tools in my arsenal from how to create proposals to go ahead and bring work in the door, respond to um, requests for proposals and requests for qualifications for public and private sector work. And like I said, I've always been in love with marketing communications. And once things kind of evolved to creative and media and all of that, I mean, that's really when the fun started. Mm. Yeah, you just lit up so bright when you started (laughs) talking about that. I love that. And was it scary to you or did you just feel like, yeah, this is what I need to do? Is it? Yeah, it was scary. Yeah. I told you my mentor pushed me out. Like he was like, you just need to do this. And I'm like, no, but I'm single. I don't have a support system. What are you talking about? Yeah. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have a trust fund. This is very scary. (laughs) Right. Yes. Who does? And it wasn't until I got married that my husband really like gave me a huge foundation in saying, you know what? You're very talented and I support everything that you do. And I know that it can be unpredictable and crazy and, you know, the ebb and flow of entrepreneurship and I'm here for you. Mm. So that was a huge plus. And I know that some entrepreneurs out there don't have that. So I don't want to push that as part of my story, but it is part of my story. Yeah. Well, I think that's extra important too, right? As entrepreneurs, we're often misunderstood because you have to be a little bit nutty to go and do this thing when the, I think it's, you know, not real, but when there's this idea of safety and security working for someone else put in front of us. And I am not at all, at all, at all, at all saying that you know, there's something wrong with working for somebody else. My husband is a corporate, I call him a corporate mucky muck. He works for, (laughs) you know, for someone else and it works very well for him. It's what he really enjoys. You know, I did for a while. I was always unhappy. I thought there was something wrong with me. (laughs) Right. That's how I knew I was meant to be an entrepreneur. (laughs) 
right. And you bring yeah. up a good point that entrepreneurship is not for everyone. And no, that not. if it's your calling, you have to answer the call because you feel it within you that this is where I need to be. And I have yeah. talents and gifts that I can give. Or as your question presented, you know, there's a niche or a hole, mm-hmm. a space that I need to fill yeah. to solve a problem or to bring value to someone. Mm-hmm. What do you think, was there anything along the way that you experienced that just made you kind of go, yeah, this is why I'm here? Like, like, was there a pivotal moment in which you knew that you were on the right path or was it the shove from the mentor? <laughs> <laughs> Let's use how we met as an example. So you were a panelist at a women's conference. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons why she brought me back continually to work on social media campaigns was because we were reaching women. Mm-hmm. I had a unique voice. Her husband did marketing, but he could not post and create content in the, the voice that I had to yeah. actually reach and connect with these women and actually mm-hmm. say, hey, I saw this on Facebook. I'm going to go to that conference because that spoke to me deeply. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's always a great example that I use is that, you know, we have our unique talents and that's another thing that I think that I leveraged is that I had some unique skill set with social media that I brought to the table that others might not have had. So she, Mm -hmm. you know, leveraged my abilities all the way from Houston to help with a conference in DC, Virginia, Maryland, because I had that unique talent and niche and skill set to bring to the table for that purpose. And I would like to sing your praises because I remember I went to two, the first and second. And yes, yes. <laughs> they were sold out, I think. And well, I don't want to take all over the credit. I, well, I you, can't take all the credit. <laughs> you get a lot of credit for that. I, I think Bernadette is fabulous at connecting with people. And I can't remember her husband's name, but I know that he's really good at marketing, but you know, this joint effort really reached a lot of phenomenal women. I mean, it wasn't just women. It was incredible, compassionate, big hearted, bold, powerful women who showed up at this conference from day one. And I know that it's grown. And I think that now sometimes they're doing some couple, I'm not sure when the last time was that they had a live one, probably 2019 and then things changed. But I, the last time I remember checking in, they were adding like a, a teen girls section for, for young woman empowerment. And also some couples work specifically for certain topics. I think not the entire conference, if I remember right, but that to me speaks volumes for the foundation that was built. And you were a huge contributor to that, you know? Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. It was, I mean, I just remember walking into the room going, there's some energy. I'm just getting goose pimply right now. Remembering (laughs) that there's some, you know, incredible energy there and a lot of love, a lot of love. And I think that speaks to the magnetic quality of love that comes out of Bernadette. (laughs) So I remember meeting her the first time, I think just over the phone. And I thought, wow, this woman is phenomenal. (laughs) I was so excited to have crossed paths with her. So I think it speaks volumes for, you know, the joint effort. And also for, like you were saying, you have a unique voice and you have the ability to, to say things in a way that, that captures attention, or as we say, you know, sort of behind the scenes, a good hook, but the kind of hook that's really 
not a yank. It's more like a magnetic draw. It's like, oof, I need to know more about this. Yes. Engagement is key. Mm -hmm. And I mean, beyond the conference and thank you so much for the compliment, but you know, I've done logos and created brand presence for some of my clients and just to see the logo, like on, like there's one nonprofit in Dallas called Heritage Giving Fund. And so she commissioned me to create a, you know, unique icon or an image for Heritage Giving Fund. And I mean, just to see it on collateral, just to see how things have blossomed and changed. Every time I see it on Instagram, I just get this, like you said, this flutter in my heart, like, oh, I created that. Oh, I love that. I love that. And just to see where they've taken it, it's just so amazing. And it just, you know, that it gives you such fulfillment that you have done something special that is lasting and that Mm -hmm. your presence is there. Like, okay, I did that. You know, yeah. she did that. <laughs> yeah. And it's meaningful. I think that's, that's another connection that I've seen with every guest who's been on this podcast is there's, there's a search for meaning and to feel connected and to yes. be a part of something and contribute. I mean, it's gotta be so gratifying to see your clients grow their businesses through the strategies and the tactics and the, the, the creative and the different things that you provide for them. And, you know, implementation is key and consistency is key, but to be part of that and to watch them grow and spread their influence and spread their wings must be just so gratifying. Yes. Yeah. And, um, not to be too cerebral, but, you know, we also discussed before that I'm an adjunct professor And so in my business management classes, we talk about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Mm -hmm. And that's at the top of the needs is self-actualization. So, I mean, it really, like you said, being an entrepreneur is more than just making money. It's that fulfillment. It's actually that purpose because, you know, my husband, he's got us. But in terms of what I am fulfilled in my business and things that I contribute, it makes it all worthwhile. Mm -hmm. And as a mom especially to girls, I think it's really special for them to see you fulfilling dreams and to, to see you stepping into your power and owning it and owning the space that you take up. Right. And I think that's something that we're very conditioned as women not to do (laughs) and to see, and you do it with such grace. It's like your presence is very felt. You're welcome. And, and I, I don't know your girls, but I'm assuming that they'll model that in some way, in their own way, in their lives and be, I think, really grateful to have seen you doing what you love and I don't know, being free. I mean, freedom is a creative outlet in some ways. I think, you know, it it opens up our creativity and makes space for us to be all that we are. Absolutely. And you're right. They're watching my every move. And I'm sure your children are watching your every move as well. And we do make impacts more than we know. Like, for Mm -hmm. instance, my husband just bought me a new car for Christmas and I was riding bikes with the girls. And Aaliyah was like, "Um, so daddy bought the car for you. Why didn't you? (laughs) And I'm like, well, you know, I had to come up with an explanation because she's watching. She's observing. She's trying to figure out what my monetary contribution was to this. Interesting. And, you know, it was just, it was just an interesting dynamic, but that's an example, but she sees, you know, like when I show 
when I've shown up to her school for career day, you know, just showing some of the projects that I've done and the impact, I mean, just makes her so proud, her really understanding, you know, wow, this is mom really impacting people's lives with Mm -hmm. the work that she does and even contributing to our school with the work Mm -hmm. that she does. Oh, I love that. I love that. This is the stuff. I mean, this is it right here, right? Even if you're not a parent for our listeners, think about how you can make an impact and, and where you can make an impact. And it's, you know, you said something earlier, it's of course we, we want and maybe even need to make money, right? That's the system that we live with. But if you start a business based on how much money you think you're going to make, you're very much heading in the wrong direction. <laughs> I, I want you, I want every single person who's listening, who is an entrepreneur to be, you know, fabulously wealthy. And if that's your primary focus, I can almost guarantee that it will not open up the doors that you want it to open up. And so to hear you talking about fulfillment and, and that your children and the children at their school, when you go and share on career day, get to see that there's a way there's not just one path. There are lots of things, you know, that we can do and there are lots of different ways to get there. I just, I think that's just, you know, delicious and wonderful and important for our children to see. So yeah, kudos to you. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. It is. Well, we're coming up on time here and I, I, you know, I feel like we could talk for hours, so we need to watch the time, but I would love to be able to send our listeners to check out, you know, what you do and to connect with you if they'd like. So where can we find you? And we'll share all the links in the show notes. Yes. So my website is urbanmediagrouponftx.com and my social media handle with the exception of Twitter is the same thing. Urban Media Group OFTX. And with Twitter, it had to be a little abbreviated. So it's Urban Media GRPTX. But of course, all of those links are on my website. So if you go there, you can always click link to social media. Yeah. Well, we'll put everything that we can get our hands on in the show notes and they should be easy to access. And before we wrap up, any final pieces of advice that you might like to share with our listeners? I think you've already said it, Tracy. It's just that to start a business, it has to be bigger than, oh, I want to earn money. It has to be about impact. It has to be about purpose and fulfilling whatever client needs that are out there. Because I'll put on my adjunct professor hat one more time. But even when I've taught entrepreneurship, I think a lot of people make a mistake of starting a business because they want to instead of there being a need in the marketplace. So let's use nonprofit, for example. We have a million nonprofits out there that are serving millions of causes. So one of my longstanding clients from Dallas has always said, you know, we don't need any additional nonprofits (laughs) at this point because, you know, there's only so much funding that can go around to serve all of these different causes. But in terms of fulfilling a specific niche, You know, you have to go where the need is and where the solution is versus I just want to be a business owner. I want to be an entrepreneur, boss, rock star. And I tell my students this all the time because I've had students that come to me and say, I want to be an entrepreneur because I don't want I want to be my own boss and I don't want anybody. I don't want to have to answer to anyone. And I'll never forget telling one particular student that is not what entrepreneurship is. Mm -mm. And I gave her an example of a client that has her own boutique 
and we were actually building a website, relaunching her e-commerce version of her website for her boutique. And she had to put everything on pause because her mother got diagnosed with cancer. So in essence, my client was my boss. I had to, at that point, work on her time frame. Everything had to be, you know, it came to a grinding halt. And you answer to so many different stakeholders. You answer to other people that you want to invest in your business, the people that you need to connect with. And we are a connected world. So as an entrepreneur, you leverage those resources around you. And that's who you answer to. It might not be a supervisor per se, but (laughs) I know I said a lot in one minute. The market is going to be a little bossy. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) You know, what a great point. And you use the term stakeholders, which I think is really important for entrepreneurs to pay attention to as well. Who benefits? Who benefits from the work that you propose to do in the world? Because those are the people that you want to aim your expertise at, right? And share that with. Yeah. Ooh, these are really good tips. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Your invoice is on the way, Tracy. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm send it. <laughs> Tracy at. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, this is this was such a rich conversation. And I feel like, you know, we we haven't talked specifically about marketing and how to be clear about some of the nitty-gritty stuff. And I think that that's going to be really useful to our listeners. And so I would say if you have lingering questions or if you're looking for somebody to support you with your marketing needs, definitely, you know, click on the links in here and come talk to Michelle because this woman knows where it's at. (laughs) You know what's what. And I'm excited. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming. It's really been, it's been a lovely conversation. And you know, if we can support you in any way, we will. So we'll definitely when this airs put all of the links on there and, you know, go talk to Michelle. She's in, you know, pay her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I appreciate that. And then, you know, I will also give one last tidbit of advice that, you know, every client is not for everyone. So if we're a good fit, great. But I do this because like we said, fulfilling a purpose and it's, it's so much satisfaction in helping the right client achieve their goals. Mm. That's a massive tip. Be very selective. You know, when we're new, sometimes we take clients that we now are now self would say, oh, <laughs> no, <laughs> for whatever reason, it's not a good fit, or I'm not going to be able to really deliver what they're asking for. Or, you know, sometimes, sometimes we can work with personality differences, but sometimes that makes the work more draining or more difficult. And, you know, in the beginning, we might not really care much because we're a little bit afraid that something better might not come along. That's a better fit. But I think that's a really important piece. And also a function of that freedom that we were talking about earlier is to be able to choose because there's always room for, there's always enough, right. For us to work with the kinds of people we want to work with and the types of clients and the types of projects we'd like to work on. And it's, it's okay to be selective. Yes. So I love that. Yeah. Well, thank you again for coming on today. I'm just thrilled and excited to share this episode with our listeners. Oh, thank you. It was such a pleasure. And again, we could talk for hours. So, and um, like she said, if you guys have any questions, you know, let us know. We can help you in any kind of way. Wonderful. Well, thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Entrepreneur Mindset Reset. If you liked what you heard, Be sure to click the subscribe button so you'll never miss a show. Please leave us a review and tell your friends about us so more people can hear the valuable information we share in each episode.
We look forward to hearing from you and celebrating your success.